Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 8 of Podcast Creases and Corners. How y'all doing out there? That's what I figured. Okay, you're good to go. <laughs> Today I am again talking with Ed, the Quest for Legends, on Instagram. And I have a bunch of questions for him, and I will be taking little notes as I go along. And if you have any questions, feel free to message me at creasesandcorners at gmail.com. I will be more than happy to try and help shape the content of the show if you have any suggestions. And I may have to create a Patreon page at some point. I don't know. I'm not even sure how that works, but I'm going to have to figure this out as I go along. And I might have to buy some more equipment to make the sound sound a bit better. Somebody suggested padding, but I don't know what any of that means. I don't know. I think it's for noise blocking. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works. All right. So, as you may have, as you as you all as you all know. There are a lot of shows that are being optioned for TV series, and there's a lot of stuff going on around in terms of, okay, what's being optioned, what's not being optioned? And my question to you is, obviously, what would you want to see optioned for a show that hasn't been optioned yet, and which shows that have been optioned are the ones that you're looking forward to? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that in the reverse uh, order. Um, I know it's in production, so I'm going to lump that all under that one umbrella i'm really looking forward to see uh what is what happens with uh master of kung fu with shang chi i've always been a fan of the character um and i think that if they can take that and have some the cultural sensitivity that they had uh with um with luke cage i think it's going to be a stellar show i think they can really have a, a lot of fun and uh, do a lot of good stuff with the whole diversity aspect of that show, but they can also have some killer action. As far as pro, uh, items that haven't formally been optioned yet or IPs that haven't you know, really been announced, Power Pack, I'm, I'm just waiting for a Power Pack. And there's rumors there's going to be an animated show. Um, I don't know what, but I would love to see Power Pack. And, and anyone who knows me knows that that's, there's no surprise there. I'd love to see Power Pack as a, as a family-friendly alternative to some of the other stuff that's out there. Okay, um, now you were saying something about cultural appropriation. Is Do you find some of the characters to be offensive in any way in terms of how they're portrayed? Well, that, well they're, they're really just being appropriate to the culture and being respectful of the culture is, is, is what we've seen a little more recently. <clears throat> Excuse me, between Black Panther and, um, and Luke Cage, there was a, a, a pretty strong... Um, response to those that they were shows that that portrayed those cultures um in a in a, in a good light in a positive light which has been lacking um so I'm, I'm all for that i i appreciate that um if you look back at the man if you look back at the at really even the 90s um the way they were coloring asian characters with like a yellow tint to their skin and just doing some really unfortunate stuff. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a, there's some things that have been handled, you know, kind of insensitively. But there's also been some moments where it's like you can see they're trying. Um, you know, the women's lip stuff with Wonder Woman and Batgirl back in the '60s and '70s, and um, you know that sort of thing. They, they, I think comic book companies have always, not always, but up to a point, especially in the '60s, kind of try to make that work. Um, but yeah, there's been some problematic stuff. 
as well. Okay, so in terms of the last 10 to 15 years, it's obviously gotten a lot better, and you feel that it's been handled a lot better. I feel that way too, and I also see that the certain subjects are being handled in a much more sensitive manner. No, sensitive, realistic, um, not uh, stereotypical. And it, yeah, it's it's definitely nice because you've got books out there that are handling, you know, um, you know, ethnic themes a lot better and LGBT themes a lot better and uh, uh, women's uh, kind of POV stuff a lot better because it's you know it, it's been a, a white guy show for a long time and it's nice to see you know some people starting to understand that. You know, the medium can be for everyone as long as it's, you know, everybody's kind of represented. Okay, now that, that kind of brings me to my other point. Do you plan on passing this hobby on to the next generation, or do you think that would even be possible because of the fact that everything is going digital? Oh, I still think it's possible. I, just because everything goes digital doesn't mean that the, the properties go away and that the, all, all the, the publication history past you know 100 years of comic book publishing goes away um so no I, I i don't think i don't think there's any danger of it like no longer being relevant no one caring about it i think the characters will always resonate to one in one way or another with with an audience especially a younger audience um as far as passing it down uh, i mean not to sound like you know kind of downbeat but i don't i don't personally really have anybody to pass that down to i don't have kids and you know nieces and nephews that are kind of into that sort of thing they, they don't they tried in the past but they, they kind of didn't catch with them they're doing their own thing and they have their own pop culture stuff they're into which is all really good um but i do uh plan on making some donations to uh maybe like children's hospital you know that sort of thing where you know they can they can at least appreciate that. So try to pass it down that way, but that probably be as close as I would get. Do you think that some kids of today's gener of, of the current generation have lost interest or do you feel that depending on the parents, it would make more sense for them to get into it because of the fact that their parents are already there? I think that the, the MCU and the TV shows and, and all of this that has out, out right now has really pulled comic books into more acceptable levels of pop culture where it's not just nerds. So I think the kids are into it all fine on their own. I think between the movies and, you know, it helps to have parents that are into it. They're like, Oh man, I was reading this as a kid. So I remember, I remember the storyline from the eighties, you know, now that's in a movie, you know, a blockbuster, you know, global success. So the kids have one frame of reference to it and, and the parents have another frame of reference. But I think, I think the properties are standing on their own as far as uh, kids are concerned. I don't think it necessarily need, needs the parents to be comic book readers for it to be something that'll catch with kids. Okay, now, out of all the books that you've collected over the years, out of the stacks and stacks that you have in your personal collection, how many do you feel that you've read? It doesn't have to be an exact number. I'm just asking in terms of percentage. Oh, I hate to admit this because it kind of goes against my mentality as a as a comic book fan. Uh, I'm probably going to say less than half, and and I'm probably I'm nearing uh, seventeen, eighteen thousand, somewhere in that range right now. I'm actually in the process of redoing my inventory, but I know less than half. I've actually sat down, read cover to cover, full read through instead of just a skim. 
And that's only because I like to have a story arc or a, or a, a run complete first and then sit down and read it front to back. And if I like it, I keep it. If I don't, I, I flip it. So a lot of series are I'm like waiting on just to fill a handful of issues that I'm going to just you know, start from the beginning and read it through. Um, that said, I at least have an idea of what the concepts at least are for the book. So I, I know if I even have any interest in reading it uh, before I actually spend money on, on trying to put a run together. Okay, now, and because up another point, what it would be your most interested genre in reading in terms of, okay, science fiction, fantasy, straight up action, or what would your preferential rating material be? Um, it really depends on my mood. I mean, I've, I've always been a superhero guy in some way, shape or form, but some of the sometimes it's supernatural. Sometimes it's sci-fi adventure. Sometimes it's got a horror, uh, lean to it. Um, superheroes have always been like number one, but I, I really like some of the small press horror and sci-fi books that came out in the eighties, the alien worlds, alien encounters, tales of terror. Um, all the stuff that Eclipse did back then has wonderful art stories to it. Um, so I think superhero action first, and then after that, probably horror would be my second, uh, second favorite, um, genre. Okay. You just mentioned horror. Did you read any the old EC horror comics, Vault of Horror, Tales of Horror, or any of those? because I don't have those kind of deep pockets. But uh, I, I know EC, that whole that whole era, you know, has a, has a lot of a historical weight to it and then as a result, financial weight to it. So I can't afford those, but I've bought plenty of the Russ Cochran and, and Gladstone reprints. And uh, I do enjoy those stories a lot. I actually did some research as part of a college paper on some of the stories that were published back then. Um, and they're fascinating and I, I really, I really enjoyed just seeing how far they tried to push the envelope and before they couldn't get away with it anymore. Thanks to, uh, you know, congressional hearings and Dr. Wortham and all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, did you hear the story about the guy that worked for EC comics that actually put aside everything for one of his kids? everything he took every single copy of every book that were published by ec horror comics and he put them aside so that when his kids were old enough they were able to get their hands on them and they still have a complete set of them did you hear about this oh is that the games collection or games yes. like yeah 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 that I, that I can't even imagine just being able to see those and just see that library of, of books and, and having that kind of history and value between the two. I mean, the value value is impressive, but really just the, the history as far as the, the medium is concerned. Okay, now in, in terms of timeline, what was your most collected era? Well, I started in this, I started reading comics in the, in the mid to late 70s, but I probably didn't, I didn't really start collecting, like wanting every, you know, a particular book every month as it was released. Until the early 80s, we're talking 83, 84, and then kind of into the late 80s from there. Then I went to college and, you know, 
know, finances dictated, you know, where my money went. It wasn't books. So I kind of faded from, from collecting for a while, then got back into it in the, in the early nineties, once I was done with college and or finishing college and started to have a little more disposable income. So I think eighties is probably seventies and eighties is probably my heaviest collected now. Um, but as far as buying new content, probably the eighties and then the early 2000s were probably my heaviest time for buying new books every week. Oh, I guess I should have clarified on that. I meant to say, would you say that you're more of a golden age, silver age, bronze age? Oh, sorry. Totally whiffed on that question. My bad. That's okay. Um, I'm very much a bronze age baby. I do collect some silver age stuff. Um, like FF is my, is my pride and joy. Uh, trying to get some uh, strange tales and adventure comics and action comics going for the Legion stories. But I think Bronze Age, because it's what it's what I saw first as a kid, was comics in 1975. So that always, to me, is going to define the genre, even though I, or the medium, I should say, even though I know that there's stuff I love on either side of that. But definitely the, the, the Bronze Age, the 1970s, is, is my heyday. And that's what I probably have, percentage-wise, probably the, the heaviest percentage of. Now, you said you, so you have any older books. How do you feel about grading them, or does that even bother you? Oh, I, I, I have no problem with it. I mean, it, it does have its issues. It, I think it does cause concerns within, within the hobby, and it causes some, some issues, but... In the grand scheme of things, people are going to collect how they want to collect. And if the if, if slabbing a, a book through one of the, the major companies is what they want to do, then I say go for it. I mean, I've, I've done it. I probably, I think I mentioned this last time, I probably have 12 to 15 books slabbed. I don't have a lot uh, as far as percentage is concerned, as far as my collection. But if that's what people want to do, then, you know, that's all well and good. I just think it... <sighs> I don't want to say it artificially inflates the value of books because it does get it closer to what people still people use is overstreet. I don't really use overstreet pricing. I don't think a lot of people do. I think they probably go with what's happening online with auction sales and plus what's happening at conventions and then basing their, their pricing off of that. But um, Hey, if people want to use it and, and they feel comfortable with it and that way they know a book is, you know, not restored and not a, a facsimile or something like that and say go for it i don't think you can really go by the price on the overstreet guide anymore only because by the time you get the book the prices are never accurate so i never really oh, base it off of that yeah. i absolutely agree um you know there was a day really not all that long ago but back in the 80s when the annual guide came out it was like it was it and then they started doing a monthly or quarterly guide and i remember picking those up every once in a while and that was still considered the final word on pricing. And now, yeah, the, you're right. The market fluctuates way too quickly. You've got too much speculation. You've got movie, movie announcement, announcements coming out two weeks after the book hits the press. Somebody catches word that a character is going to be in a film. A book that's a $2 book is now everybody's digging in dollar bins because they want the next $50 you know, hot hit. So, yeah. Does it bother you every week that there's something new on the spec market? Or do you even bother following that because you know it's going to happen all the time? Uh, I, it's weird. I have, very, I have 
very mixed and probably very hypocritical feelings about the spec market because I don't, I don't actively pursue that information on the spec market. Um, I know there's like key comic collector, I think is the name of the app. It also has a website where you can, you know, track what's hot, and what's coming up and where all the rumors are coming from. And IG is full of that. There's video, you know, the whole channels on YouTube, full of that information. Got comic Tom, uh, one one I think it is, who's out there, you know, constantly talking about spec and, it's all well and good. It gets interest. Um, but I do think it artificially inflates a lot of books. So it's going to hurt buyers in the long run. And if that happens, if they get burned enough times, I just wonder what's going to happen to those people. If they're just going to say, screw it, I'm out. Um, you know, people are going to overpay, you know, and they say it's whatever the market will bear or whatever you pay for it is what it's worth. But if you're buying it with any sort of intention of, of selling it down the road as an investment piece, you got to be really, really careful. I don't think modern books, I don't think that's where the spec is at. I, I really don't think so. I think you have long-term, if you're looking for investment, I don't think you buy new. I just, that's just my feeling. I don't think you buy new books. The, you have a handful of books that you know, like the Harley Quinn and, and, and things like that, that might, might carry some long-term heat, but like Immortal Hulk. Well, okay. Is that really going to be a book that's going to be a massive, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's kind of frustrating. But all that being said, I said, I'm not a hypocrite. But at this weekend, I was digging a dollar boxes. And if I found books that I knew, I could flip for a few dollars more because I knew that they were hot. I picked them up. So all that being said, I'll take advantage of it when I can. But I'm not, I'm not in the hobby for that. That's a, that's like a tertiary or quaternary uh, uh, thought process for me. My, my primary is always what looks fun, what looks like it's going to be a good read. So your personal perspective is just buy what you're going to read, not so much for investment, and don't bother with the spec market because that's not really your scene. That is that is my view. That's absolutely uh, my view. But I don't begrudge anybody for collecting the way they want to collect, whatever they want to buy, however they want to do it. It's That's their business and good on them. So you're also saying that you feel if you're going to collect a book, go with the golden oldies as opposed to the newer things. If you're collecting with the intention of, of any sort of financial gain, then yeah, I really don't see any for any time soon uh, buying a lot of stuff like 90s and up. I just, I just don't. Um, I, I just think that your your silver age, your old standbys, those those books that are that have always been solid investments aren't gonna drop. Um, First Black Panther is 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 never gonna go down so significantly, you know, past the point prior to a movie being made. You know, it's not gonna be one of those books that's like, well, it's only worth a hundred dollars now. It's always going to have heat because of the importance of the character and because it's an older book and there's hard, it's harder to find them in high grade. You know, you've got New Mutants 98 out there. People are still selling it for two, three, four hundred dollars, whatever they're getting it for, if it's slapped or not. But how many copies of that book were printed? And don't tell me supply and demand because I know that there's not like 500,000 people out there trying to get copies of this book. It's just, it's, it's, it's artificially created to me. It's artificially created demand, and I just think it's a, it's, it's a little bit much. If you're going to invest gold. Have you heard about Warehouse Comics? Mm -mm. 
apparently people are having these boxes and boxes of these really hard to find and expensive comic books that they're turning up in warehouses and they're buying them on eBay sales where there are massive amounts of copies of say Hulk 181 or New Mutants 98 or, or something that's really expensive on the market. How does that make you feel to hear that's going on? Uh, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I was aware of there actually, I mean, there's, there's been a couple books like that, that, that now that I kind of understand where, what it was specifically that you meant by that. Um, I, I'm aware that there were a couple things that, that the books that I actually have, um, that tanked the, the price absolutely tanked after there was a warehouse find. They found cases of like pristine copies. So all of a sudden your 7.0 that you think is, Oh, this is from 1960, whatever. Well, guess what? They just found a thousand copies that are like all nine, six, nine, eight. So there you go. Um, I think it would be fun, you know, to, to see someone come out and say, I just, you know, I have 10 unopened cases of new mutants 98 and just see what that does to the market because you can sell those for a fraction of the current asking price, still make money and wreck the market. Okay. Now I was, I was also wondering, do you follow the prices of the books or in your case, does that even affect you? Because I know you don't buy the more expensive copies. You buy the quarter and 50 cent books. So how do you play into all that? I, I do pay attention to it for, for a couple different reasons. One, if I've got a book that I'm on the fence about, I have it and it's like, okay, it's a cool book and I have it. That's fine, whatever. And then it starts to catch the real steam that I might consider moving it to take that cash and roll it into something else. Um, also for uh, insurance purposes, I do kind of keep a track on, on things like that. It's nice to know. Maybe uh, I've got a book that's sitting in a box that's not bagged or boarded, and all of a sudden, oh, look, She-Hulk skipping rope with the Comics Code Authority logo over her body is all of a sudden a $30 book. So I guess I better put that in a Mylar now because it was just sitting, you know, bag, unbagged and unboarded in my, in, my, in my collection. So that sort of thing uh, I, I watch for. But since I do so much of my shopping on the cheap, um, the pricing really doesn't doesn't enter into it. The only time I really do research on pricing is when I'm getting ready to like, for example, if I'm only missing ten issues of the first one of FF. So if I'm looking at buying one of those, I track sales, I look at what's out there, I look at the grades, and then try to get an idea of what my ceiling is, what I would pay for that book max in a particular grade, and then go. You know, and then try to make it work from there if I go to a show or go to a store. Okay, so what would you say to someone who is just getting into this hobby? Would you suggest they do it, or would you say tread cautiously? The only piece of advice, honestly, I think I would start with is start small and read what you like. I think, you know, find, find characters or find storylines. Think about what you like in your entertainment in general. Do you like humor? Do you like action? Do you like horror? Do you like whatever it is that you're into? Find a book that kind of resonates in that area and doing some research online should, should give you recommendations. Hell, just create an IG account and say you're into, into comics and just wait for people to respond. That's not, it's, you're, you're going to get opinions. And 
works out. See what you like and then go from there. But don't get into don't get caught up in all the hype. Don't get caught up in buying, you know, 20, 30, 40 titles a month. Don't get caught up in maybe, you know, crazy overpriced variants. Just start small, read what you like, read what interests you, and if you like it, keep reading it. And once you realize you don't like it, stop buying it. Stop putting the money into it. Comic books are too expensive now to be buying stuff just for the sake of, well, I just want to finish out the run. If you don't like it, don't buy it. Now, you were saying something about falling into traps. What were some of the traps that you found yourself falling into during your collecting? <laughs> I mean, who didn't fall into the, the craze of the 1990s with all of the crazy covers and, you know, hollow foil embossed bullet hole die cut 3D lenticular trash. I mean, granted, some of those books are still worth something. Now they've kind of come back around almost from a, a, an ironic sense. But it's, yeah, I, I fell into it. You know, I was buying multiple copies of, you know, you know, Superman 75, and then uh, if it had a, a metallic ink cover, oh, got to get get one of those. Oh, glow-in-the-dark cover, got to have that one. So, yeah, I, I fell into that, and most of those books in my collection are now gone unless they're part of ones that I decided I wanted to keep. But if I just bought them just for the sake of them being those covers, most of that's gone now. I was the unfortunate situation of... I grew up in the 90s, so if I was going to buy a comic book, that's the unfortunate time frame that I had started with. So I was pretty much subject to, yeah, I had the multiple million copies plus every month being thrown in my face. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was it was a rough time to be a, a comic book fan and obviously to you know, have a comic shop and for the publishers themselves, they were, you know, Marvel was on the brink. Um, it was, it was a rough time and I think they just, it wasn't about, it wasn't about quality product. It was just trying to get something that was going to be flashy and catch somebody's eye. And it was a, it was a kind of spec market, you know, with the whole death of Superman thing. Um, but yeah, I remember, I remember that day that it came out, I waited in line, even though I had a sub in the store, I could have just gone in and picked up my stuff. I waited in line because there was other things I wanted too, but it was the experience. So I waited in line for my Superman 75 and I think I bought like three copies. Um, but there were people in line that had never been in a comic book store before. Just, just uh, at, at that point, people that were in their 40s and 50s, even 60s, saying they were buying them for their, their children and grandchildren because it was going to be a historical moment that this character that had been around for so long was actually finally, you know, his story was ending. And of course, in my head, I'm going, you guys are suckers. There's no way they're going to leave this guy dead. You know, Everyone knows it. But coming in off the street, no one knew. And it's like, there's, there's your spec market right there. Okay, um, do you believe in karma, karma, and have you experienced any, or has somebody done you that particular retribution in terms of something that you did for them? Um, yeah, well, I, I do have several stories where I've done for someone, they've done for me, I've done for someone, then someone else has done for me that I didn't see coming. 
So if you want to call that karma, I guess, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, and almost all of that is through the IG comic community, um, the, the, the family there. And I do see family, and I, and I mean that authentically. Um, I've made some wonderful friends through that community and landed some great books, traded for books, bought books, sold books, or just was told, hey, is this still your address? Yeah, okay, good, because I'm sending you something. And then I go to the post office three days later, and there's some books in the mail. And it wasn't anything I asked for, paid for, you know, shouted out. It was just here, just because. And that's happened a lot in the last couple of years. That's actually happened a lot. And, and I'm glad to be part of that, because I've done it for others. When I hit 300 followers on this current account, uh, I had a contest only for current followers. So if they wanted to uh, get a free box of books, all they had to do was comment, say something nice, and already be following me. I did it at 400. I'm going to do it again at 500, probably every 100 after that. I'm going to do just a, as a thank you for you know being part of the group that's kind of re-energized me and got me back into comic books after kind of being out of it for a little while. You know, I found myself to be in a bit of a dry spell for about maybe 15 years. And I'm sure everybody who collects comics has been through that same scenario at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Um, and in your case, that was, that's a pretty long time to be out of the hobby. Well, reason being is because I had a lack of funds. I didn't have time to go to the comic book store and I was working all the time. So, of course, my finances were being diverted elsewhere. Sure. Well, that's just called priorities. That's called being an adult, right? I mean, I, I know that I made bad decisions and I bought stuff that I shouldn't have bought when I didn't have the money and put it on a credit card because I wanted it so bad. And it's like, oops, okay, probably shouldn't have done that. Um, now I try to be a little more savvy, and that's why I try to shop cheap in the first place, um, is hit the 50-cent dollar books and, and kind of take it from there. Even $2, I'm like, really? Do I want to spend $2 on the comic book? Um so, yeah, I, I get it. And I've had dry spells, too. There's been times where when I was in college or just didn't have the cash, it was like, you know what? Or I just lost interest. I wasn't really buying anything and just kind of hung on to things, stuffed in the closet. And it's like, all right, well, we'll see if we get back to this. Here I am. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. We are just about out of it. But as always, don't forget to follow this guy on at the Quest for Legends on Instagram, and I also understand you're starting up a YouTube channel. Have you decided when that's going to be? I, I really am uh, targeting April. I'm almost done um, with my initial pass-through on my inventory. I'm trying to scale it back a little bit. Once I do that, the room where I hold all my stuff will actually be, I can actually set it up to record. So that is my plan, is that in April, I'll be able to uh, actually start uh, shooting some videos and uh, get something out on YouTube about some of the small press and older stuff. It's not going to be typically anything new or necessarily anything valuable. It's just going to be some cool stuff that I've found in the back issue bins that people should kind of you know keep their eyes open for. And I do appreciate uh, you, you having me on again. I, I love talking comics, and if anybody out there wants to uh, follow and, and drop me a line, I'll chat comics um, as long as I'm not at work. I'll, I'll definitely make time to check comics. Okay. Well, I will let you go. And everything, as always, thank you. And have yourselves Absolutely. a lovely thank evening. You.